0: Before we joined Amy and Don for this week's conversation, we wanted to explain that sound design for this podcast is a work in progress. What worked for us one week doesn't necessarily work the next. In addition to the connective conversation between our two friends, the microphone also picked up more ambiance than intended, in the form of music and voices from nearby offices, bumping the table and occasional closing of doors. So if you're inclined to cast blame on your neighbors or family for playing their music too loud, please realize that it's probably just us in our continuing experimentation with technology,
1: I think we waved a tangled web today. It's going to be hard for Kevin to like make so it go sorry, linear, Kevin. but but maybe it can be a day where people just decide to let go of their linear ways of meaning making and just to jump into a swirl of optimism and trauma.
2: <laughs> optimism and trauma.
1: And relational cultural theory.
2: I like it. This is where the party ends. I can't stand here listening
0: to you.
1: Welcome to Your Racist Friend, a podcast about the messy parts of relationships and how we work through those to get even stronger and closer. I'm Amy McKees and I'm here with
2: Don Griffin Jr.
1: Don Griffin Jr. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm listening to How to Be an Anti-Racist, Okay, but that's only when I'm going for walks. So if I'm not walking, then I don't. Make a lot of progress. Okay. But I'm reading because what I have in the hard copy is the So You Want to Talk About Race. Okay. And I love it. I've. Have... Ijioma is her name.
2: Ijioma Alua?
1: And I, I've been following her on Twitter for a long time, okay. partly because she's just really sharp and funny. I think the first time she landed in my Twitter feed was because someone had seen a picture of her and tweeted at her something like, I'm sorry to break it to you, but you're not black. Huh. And she spent the rest of the day, like, tweeting all the things she needed now that she was a white person.
2: Okay. Nice. <laughs>
1: things like, someone bring me my Birkenstocks.
2: <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: the one I remember, but it was very funny. Okay. Um, anyway, so she's written So You Want to Talk About Race. I'm reading directly from her book right now. Okay. The Most Common Definitions of Racism... Are as follows. Number one, racism is any prejudice against someone because of their race. Or number two, racism is any prejudice against someone because of their race when those views are reinforced by systems of power. And later she explains why you should use the second definition. The one that includes power. Yes. She says, when we use only the first definition of racism, we inaccurately reduce issues of race in America to a battle for the hearts and minds of individual racists, Hmm. instead of seeing racists, racist behaviors, and racial oppression as part of a larger system. This book will not tell you how to get unabashed racists to love people of color. I'm not a magician. (laughs) Um, furthermore, many of those people have very little real power on their own and tend to stay on the fringes of society. We, as a society, like our racism subtler than that. Mm-hmm. People are really focused on the Schooner Creek Farm. Mm-hmm. People specifically,
2: for now, right now, for We're now, focused on that. Before right. it was the Bob, not the Bobcat. What is it? The uh,
1: the Bearcat.
2: The Bearcat. Bear right. Whereas. There are other groups out there that are trying to focus on the systematic racism, the things that we don't see on a daily basis, the right. things that they're all connected. That's... They're all
1: connected. And I think you could argue that the bear cat is a symptom of systematic racism, that there's like fear and power baked into the way we organize our society, like just part of who we are. Mm-hmm. And that results in a law, like a justice system that, is primed to work from a power over
2: an overseer position yeah. yes yeah
1: and i you know the bearcat is a tool for doing that i mean it's a military tool i i have
2: it is concerns but can i ask you something uh-huh did you see a lot of black people protesting about the bearcat here in bloomington you saw two right
1: yeah yeah,
2: not not saying that it, it no. is, is it, it isn't <clears throat> an issue. It is an issue, and I'm glad that they that they they brought it up. Uh-huh. Uh But man, there are so many other things. I think the community, the African American community, was like, we need jobs. We need more affordable housing. We need to be recognized on other things. The Bearcat system. The Bearcat. Maybe it was an image thing, but it wasn't something that we were necessarily scared of until we were told to be scared of it because here in Bloomington the people that are going to be out in the streets protesting the people that that bear cap may be used against are not necessarily black folks
1: that well and that's that's actually you know white people taking on anti-racism work and discovering because sort of when you start dipping your toes into anti-racism work you're like Listen to the people of color in your life and what they want, because, you know, white people have been talking way too long and it's time to listen. And that's that felt at first to me like pretty easy advice, like, OK, I don't I don't have to make as many decisions because I can just listen. But it felt like um like when I think of relational cultural theory and I'm making decisions, it makes it easier for me to make decisions Because I just think, okay, if I'm looking at the values of relational cultural theory and the values are that we grow through and toward relationships, then what decision in this situation helps most of us grow through and toward relationships? Mm -hmm. Like what builds that connection? And that simplifies it for me. And the idea that I had to listen to people of color in my life and what their experience was and how I could make it better, how I could support them how I could amplify their voices, whatever that is, that felt like a sort of a similar tool. Like I could Mm -hmm. just use that and then I wouldn't necessarily have to know like what to do. I could just listen and support. And what I found though, Don, is that, I don't have a unified group of people of color I was get, uh, That's life.
2: exactly what I was getting ready to say. So, 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 and that's what I struggle with when I sit here and I talk about, oh, the bear cat, like, uh-huh. uh, cause if we had Jada in here, Jada B, she would think differently. We'd probably have a little bit of an argument on, you know, the bear, the impact of the bear cat.
1: Uh-huh. I think we and, should have.
2: And, I do too, and- yeah she would probably be right on something the thoughts are, are so diverse there uh-huh. is no singular black person's thought you know you, just like there's no singular so sometimes you got to go with what you believe in so white folks out there that doesn't mean that oh you don't believe in racism so therefore it's not there or you don't believe if someone oh, right. tells you that's not <laughs> what i mean right. i'm just saying but you have to you have to In your heart, you have to say, okay, like...
1: People have very different ideas about what is appropriate, what is ethical, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what is effective in fighting fascism. And I know that for myself, one thing I've had to do is be willing to be uncomfortable and then just pretty much stay uncomfortable as I listen there are things that that some activists do that are a lot more aggressive than my comfort level would would allow me to do yeah and so trying to trying to see we all have the same goal i think we have the same goal uh,
2: yes i think we want a, a better society that works for everyone yes just whether or not that means Tearing up what we have completely, or trying to fix the system that we already that we already have and trying to make that better. Don't know which one's right or wrong.
1: I don't either. I'm thinking of our <laughs> of our uh, car that got that broke down outside of Indianapolis and then we had to get it towed back here and then and it's pretty old, but it's Honda, so I think it should live to be. Mm-hmm really old before i get rid of
2: it well that sounds like democracy (laughs) right i mean we're kind of in it it hasn't worked for everybody i think we have to acknowledge that that it has not worked for everybody so do i junk
1: the car and just start fresh or do we rebuild the transmission
2: seeing as it's the best thing that anyone has came up with ever
1: are we still talking about a honda
2: well, we can be talking about a Honda. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You're right. It's going to last forever if you keep it up. Yeah, I think we, it need, definitely needs to be fixed, you know? Uh, and that systematic racism, sexism. I mean, I think we got to try to fix what we have. Get Get the bad parts, try to get the bad parts out. And then maybe... Maybe if that doesn't work, then we, we, we you know, have to slowly Just abandon it, I guess. Sell it
1: down the block for 500 bucks.
2: But uh, I don't know if it gets fixed in our lifetime. Not completely. Yeah. That sounded really negative.
1: Well, no, I think this is something that a lot of us, at least I can speak for myself. This is something that has, you know, I think my privilege protected me from having to look at some of this until the 2016 election. And then suddenly I started seeing arguments in a different light. Like when we would argue over policy or over um, racism or inequity, I would, I started thinking, oh my gosh, we can't agree. Like we're not, we're not going to be able to agree on this. And if we can't agree on it, what happens next? And I suddenly started thinking, I brought children into a world that is about to erupt in some kind of civil war. I don't know that that's true now, but like that thought had never occurred to me before then. And now it it rises to the surface more often.
2: It's going to get bad before it gets good. It's going to get worse. We are in this society where we're just yelling at each other and at first it started on the left and the right and now even folks that are on the left are yet are are not listening to each other
1: although i got to sit in a meeting of people who have been frustrated with each other and with their approaches and i heard people able to see that were able to see the common values that they all had and i saw people like sit with being uncomfortable and reach through that anyway. Mm -hmm. And I saw people be brave enough to be really vulnerable and share their fears. Like, even in the face of one person who was totally not having it, but I saw people working to connect Mm -hmm. even though they knew they weren't going to agree on everything. To me, that felt like something I haven't seen as often Mm
2: -hmm.
1: recently. And it. I was so happy like it brought me so much hope
2: that's cool Uh, people have heard about the black strategic alliance and that's that's a group Mm -hmm. of african-americans with differing views um that try to come together and say okay this is this is a, a problem like expulsion of children uh-huh. A high uh-huh. degree of expulsion of of, yep. a, of brown and black children uh, at MCCSC. I mean, the, the numbers are freaking ridiculous. Ugh. Children of color at an early age, they're looked at as almost adults. They're treated like yes. adults compared to. I mean, you see yes. it all the time yes, where absolutely. where a seventeen year old white child will do something horrific, and they're like, "Well, you know, he's just a kid." He's just the yeah. like you uh-huh. know and a 17 year old ki- uh, you know black kid is is accused of something and all of a sudden it's like let's bring back the death penalty or like i mean yeah completely, or like or
1: 14 year old or 12 year old exactly yeah.
2: it's it's and it's not just men it's our our young women are treated like they are women so but getting back to the black strategic alliance uh-huh. it, it's a group that uh that brings leaders from all different parts of monroe county uh uh, to sit down and we do it every three months every two or three months we usually meet at griffin realty and we sit there and we say okay what's going on in your world because we're starting to realize that people are we we are in silos yeah so you're dealing with your stuff in your group I'm dealing with my stuff in my group, and some of the stuff that we're dealing with is the same doggone stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that's yes, a big problem. And, and 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 I think that's that's the whole thing. Like we want things to be better, but we may not agree on how to approach the problem or the end solution. We just want it to be better, and so so we try to get together and say, okay, what are we going to work on, or what's going on? Uh huh. And um, so right
1: now you're working on. Every, everything,
2: for... lots of things. We usually do a um, uh, Black State of the Union, African American State uh-huh. of the Union. Uh, this will be the third year that we've that we've done. And
0: right now, they
2: do a lot of data gathering, you know. And I would love it where instead of data gathering, we come together and, and we start listening to community members. So I think that's what we. Go- right now, we've got a lot of. Different leaders, and we're talking to people, whereas we need to sit down and actually listen to what people yes. need. You know, is the bearcat really high on your priority list? I'm not. I'm not trying to beat the bearcat thing down. Not trying to do that. I, uh-huh. I was just using that as an example. But things like that are the are the Nazis at the uh, at the farmers market. Does that affect you? You know. Um it's funny how many people of color don't have a problem with it. They have a problem with it, but they the the thing I always hear is we've got the same demographics at Walmart. Like, or we have the same... I mean, it's the same issue. Yeah. Yes, we get rid of them, but who else is out there?
1: Well, uh, and I think there is an element of... I'm positive there are other people at the market that hold those oh, same views. Oh, yes. Yeah. I think the market is just such a perfect... A uh, little example of Bloomington. It's like, look at what we have. We have a farmer's market that sort of encapsulates all that is good about our tiny liberal bubble. You know, like there's organic food mm-hmm. and there's <laughs> children. And yeah, but like making that actually represent Bloomington and actually represent like the values that we want it to represent seem That listening would be a really good place. Because we talk a lot about, oh, let's try this, let's try that. But actually listening. Mm -hmm.
2: On the outside, it does, it looks just like you said. It looks wholesome and organic and kind of multicultural. Not as multicultural as it could be. But it really is broken. I think if we look at it that way, that the neo-Nazis represent Mm -hmm. something more. I think when we go and we talk, and, and the people that are fighting for uh, against that, I think the passion is real. But I think it it it's it's more than just. That's just got to be the start. Like, yeah, let's get these Nazis out of here. But let's, we got we got to change Bloomington as a whole. I think.
1: Yes, I would love to see that. It, to do that, listening, we need to find ways to, to set set it up to be able to listen, like mm-hmm. to. To get people to believe that sharing what they need and want is actually a useful thing to do—that mm-hmm. it's not a waste of their time.
2: To me, the bearcat and the neo Nazis are kind of the same thing. They're the They're they're. It's just another day, but it's just the, it's. It kind of represents the same thing. Maybe be maybe the reason you don't hear enough African Americans or people of color. I'd, I'd like to. Uh, uh, voice their opinion about this and this is kind of sad but maybe they're just used to it it's it's because it's the it's the water that we the whole thing i think i've said that before the thing that i've told my son how he is a freshwater fish in a saltwater tank and after a while you just become used to that and so maybe there's so much there's so much to go against that this is just one little drop in the in the in the pool you know what I'm saying yeah I think you get used to being marginalized and uh, if you've been doing it for 30 40 50 years you you know yeah what's going to the farmers uh, what's going to you, you haven't been to the farmers market any any of those other times what makes you think I mean, it's not yeah. a big celebration when they leave you know like yeah great
1: yeah <laughs> and the other thing is if you're talking about like a salt water tank that that the freshwater fish have to survive in and Igioma was writing about the that that her work is not aimed at the super obvious racist people like she said something like if you if you just if you want to avoid those just turn around whenever you see a obama is a muslim sign and then you'll and then you'll be safe yeah. but the image that's forming in my mind is of like the white supremacists like these sharp things like mm-hmm. that are really easy to see and to be outraged by mm-hmm. are more symbols of this giant saltwater tank
2: that mm-hmm.
1: that we're in and and we need to work on
2: whole tank the
1: whole tank yeah yeah
2: it's really refreshing to see this next generation attack these things you know what I'm saying uh-huh but I'm also looking at the other things you know and I'm sure they are too but if you my god if you actually looked at all those other things especially from an a, a young age you would get so overwhelmed and you might give up so I think you have to actually You have to take one bite at a time. And maybe that bite is the farmer's market right now.
1: And what you just said, that it something clicked for me while you were saying that about why the Me Too movement was so hard for a lot of women and felt like, for me at least, it, I felt like I was walking around without skin on. And it was like that because I, because before you're aware of all this stuff, like you know it's there, you know you're in the saltwater tank. Mm hmm but you're taking it like a bite at a time and you're just trying to get through your, your days. And you're like, I'm not gonna, you know, necessarily go engage with that shark over there because I know better. (laughs) But when suddenly it's all like right in front of you and visible, and there's people around you saying, this is real, Mm -hmm. then it is overwhelming. It's like just, that's a lot more than just taking a bite and moving forward and, and slowly trying to get through your life
2: things have happened you know safe things have happened to you but you just continue to move forward because you put that in the back of your mind right and with the me too movement you had to revisit those things the things that you were trying to push leave behind and push forward for Uh the next day it was bringing you back to the place that you didn't get. You know what I'm saying?
1: Right. You, yeah. And you know, one of the things that you learn when you're tr- training to be a therapist uh-huh. is that you learn about all the different kinds of defenses that people use to not, uh-huh. to be able to function in the face of toxicity basically, or dysfunction. And um, one of the things you learn, no matter what type of therapy you do is that you don't remove somebody's defenses unless you know they have something there. Like you don't you don't walk in and say he's ne- <laughs> I, I'm thinking of like the when Harry met Sally when the they keep saying he's never going to leave, he's never going to leave his wife and she says I know you're right, you're right. But you don't walk into a therapy thing and say all the things like he's never going to leave his wife, your job's a dead end, your family's horrible. Yes. Like you don't say that, you help them build the resources that (laughs) they need to be able to see that on their own. And uh, part of what me too did is it just stripped everything away without checking to see if we had our defenses ready. Yeah. I talked to Dr. LaShawn Williams this weekend. She's coming into town for our relational summit. And I was sharing like all the Bloomington stuff with her In fact, like she's had to hear it more than once from me because I get so overwhelmed by it that I'm like, did I tell you this? She's like, you've already told me all of this. And I'm like, let me tell it to you again. For me, at least, it's super helpful to have someone that's not here
2: that I can can barf
1: all of the Bloomington stuff that worries me. (laughs) And I don't have to hold it myself. Like I can just, which is I'm realizing as I say this super rude and not like that. I'm just dumping it on her like that and Mm. assuming she can hold it. Okay, we already know that's something I did wrong, and we can move past that. What do you mean? Well, I mean, like, just dumping it on someone who is also a person of color and then is having to, like, carry my own white angst well, about I, what's happening in not Bloomington. Not really,
2: because she, she's, coming to, she's coming here to Bloomington to help us. Yes, So she, she needs is. to know the background. Right,
1: and she's not part of Bloomington yeah. at this moment. We so want her to move here, but... Really? Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be cool?
2: Maybe. Maybe I mean for us. Oh, you mean for her? It might not be so cool. <laughs> I mean, it, it takes some adjustment. I think she lives in a big city right now, doesn't she? She lives in Utah. Are there big cities oh, in Utah? Oh God, no! Come on to Bloomington if you're listening. I shouldn't say that. I've got I've got friends from Utah. You've
1: got friends from everywhere, I
2: actually. Do. Oh my. God.
1: Anyway, so LaShawn was walking me through this idea that our city is having a collective trauma response Hmm. and this started when we we talked to her and we were talking about the anniversary of the shooting that happened 20 years ago right Mm -hmm. and that this summer is the anniversary of it and all this stuff exploded around that time and like if you look at how all of us function around anniversary times things tend to fall apart or get louder or somehow make you look at what you haven't looked at. So we were talking about the different ways that you respond to trauma and how there's some similarities here. And one of them is when you're in a state of chronic trauma, like chronic violence or condemned isolation is what uh, Jean Baker Miller called it. You tend to be so desperate to keep everything okay that you walk on eggshells around the abuser right you don't want to upset them you don't want to rock the boat and she was comparing how some of us have responded there's a part of the bloomington psyche that wanted to be like ah don't don't tell us
2: yeah don't be.
1: <laughs> please don't let us know about this we no. don't really want to do we, we, we're going to the farmer's market. This is what we love to do. You're going to like break our eggs. Yeah. And so when she said that, I was like, oh my God, you're totally right. Yeah. Like that's, that's, we're having a trauma response here.
2: Some people are dealing with the trauma differently.
1: Absolutely. Some because people that's are how taking, you do it. Yeah,
2: some people are Yeah. Are taking on, they're going to beat the, yeah, I gotcha.
1: Right. But the underlying idea is we are all trying to survive. We're doing our best to keep functioning.
2: Oh my God! Tell me, it's not just Bloomington; it's our entire country. Oh yeah. And some of some some folks are in love with the captor. I mean, they they are. You know what I'm saying? They don't. They they are. We're already in it. This is this is it. This is yeah. Who we are? He, he's not abused. He's not abusing us.
1: right right No, this guy he has our best interests at heart yeah
2: i mean i i I know there's some republicans that are probably listening it's not about republicans it's not about this is this is beyond left or right this is just freaking to me is evil
1: yeah it's definitely we
2: are being being traumatized systematically traumatized on a day i mean everything's upside down right now yeah and i'm affected by it and i try to ignore it always there's something new every fucking day yeah i think this happened at the right time maybe if it had happened four years ago like this maybe we wouldn't get the kind of response that we're getting maybe it would just we just think everything is okay and Uh we go about our business
1: i think there's some chance we would have been like that is such an anomaly and doesn't have any power that I am unconcerned about am it. Unconcerned, like it's just two crazy people. Yeah,
2: two crazy people. Just and we'd laugh at them. It might be, and, but we'd still. Some people would still buy buy groceries. They still buy things from them. Look, maybe we needed Trump. I'm just gonna say his name. I can say it. It's not like he's dumb. He's not, he's not, Voldemort. not, he's not Voldemort. He's yeah. not the one that. So uh, maybe we need some someone like this to understand how fragile our system really is. Yeah. To change it and to make—I mean—I'm looking at the at, at what's happening in 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 Parliament right now, and they're going through the same doggone thing. There, there were, so we got off the subject on the farmers' market, but it's the same. It's all it's all attached, I think.
1: Well, and so knowing that that we are in a trauma reaction, what do we know about working with trauma that we can then apply to? our situation here.
2: You're the counselor. I'm just the lowly real estate agent. (laughs) I can sell you a house and that might make you feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Interest rates are awfully low.
1: (laughs) Well, okay.
2: (laughs) So what, what, what should we do?
1: Well, part of like the, the beginning work of trauma is Creating enough safety, you know, the way I would see it is enough connection, enough mutuality and uh, supported vulnerability where you can offer someone enough space and safety, like in the connection with you or in the connection with the therapist, that you can be vulnerable and you can say the actual problem. But when, when you don't have that, what you have is more surface level stuff. You don't get to to really see what's going on. And if you can't really see what's going on, you can't fix it. So first you have to have this connection and a safe place to be vulnerable. That's like the foundation so that you can name it.
2: That hasn't really happened for the people who are mostly affected. You're not hearing a lot of their voices because they're not quite They're not in that quiet space. They're not in that safe place yet. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's why you're not hearing from the communities that are most affected or the people in the communities that are most affected.
1: Right, because one of the things that just shuts down people when they're working on trauma is somebody coming in and saying, Never mind little lady, I'll fix it for you. Where is he? I'm going to beat him up. Like or whatever. Yep. Like toxic patriarchal response that pro- like I will solve the problem for you. And I think that's mm-hmm. part of this conversation we're having here in Bloomington is instead of getting underneath to where you're vulnerable and you're actually able to say this is where I'm scared. Mm-hmm. This is what I need to feel supported and safe. We're doing this other level stuff about listen to me. I have a solution.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: We're skipping the connection step. We're skipping that. And then we're just sort of going in circles and still mad at each other. And
2: Mm -hmm. so many people want to be Jane or Tarzan.
1: Yeah, because they're safe.
2: They're safe. Exactly.
1: I think that, I think it's harder for people who are, like a part of city government to do that because I think another part that's baked into who we are and how we do things in our country and our culture is competence is very important. It's very important to be competent. And so you would assume that a city leader will step in and be like, I know, I know what, I know what I'm doing. I know what the answer is. I know how to get through this. Trust me, I'm going to do the right thing. And that's a nicer way of doing the step aside, little lady, I'll fix it for you, because it skips the step of listening and of connecting. And if you're already focused on that step, we talked about this last week, like if you're focused on the solution, you can't be listening.
2: But conversely. Yeah. Okay. This is such a big problem Uh that one person can't do it and it's not just the city I think I think you're I think you're actually not hearing someone say hey look hey I got this because I don't think it can be it's it's so big I don't think it can be gotten the problem is more than just some little Nazis at the at the farmer's market and and unfortunately now it's a national thing because not just those little Nazis it's presidents of racist groups coming in and it's overwhelming but i think we're also talking about the systematic racism that's already baked in to our community and to every community Uh and not just racism but isms that's big and it's going to take a long time to try to fix it and everything they do isn't right but everything they do isn't wrong either right and i I think they're just trying to trying to come up with solutions when they can.
1: Right. And that's, I want to be clear that I was not, that was not me like taking a stab at them. I know them. it wasn't.
2: I'm saying just, I know right.
1: it wasn't. It, it's more that, I, I don't know how to do this, but I think it would be appropriate to a trauma response if it happened, that we were able to hear each other well enough, like reciprocal, that we could also trust each other even you know even if we have different opinions on how we do it which is you know what we started off talking about here today like different mm-hmm. ways of responding to fascism that we could feel enough of a connection with each other to to allow for movement i think it's for allowing space to move so that when i'm just going to say the mayor cuz He's everybody's favorite punching bag right now anyway. That for him to be able to be vulnerable in one of these meetings, which I, maybe he does Mm. like in, in meetings, but like to go in and not have an agenda. And (sighs) I know that he doesn't want this and I know that the protesters don't want it. And I know that the vendors don't want it. Like nobody wants this except for like a few of the people that are extremely racist like the the obvious racists the like ignorant racists in between you know they have opinions now because we're all fighting over it but
2: can can I say something else so yeah, you i go. think i think maybe we're in a time period right now where we see that uh, that we have leaders that do whatever the hell they want. Like they're some kind of king. Yeah. Okay. True government really doesn't work that way. It's not, we don't have a mayor.
1: Who can do whatever he wants. He can
2: do whatever he wants. It's like he'll say, you know, I really want to do this thing. And then the police department says, well, you can't. If you do this thing, then this is going to happen. And then you've got a legal department that says, dude, you will really make it hard for me if you do this. And then you're going to be upset. It's like, but I really, really, really want to do this thing. And I really, really like these people that hate me. And I hate being hated. (laughs) I hate being hated by people that I actually respect. Yeah. So can we make this happen? Can you please work on this? And they'll say, okay, we'll try something. We'll see. And then they come back. Dude, we still can't do this. Like, please don't make the... It can't make... I know you want to make this decision, but this is all the hell that's going to become... this This is what's going to happen if you do this. Well, shit. Okay, I'm the leader. I'm going to be hated. But if you're telling me that this can happen and this can happen and some people can get hurt if we don't do it, then... So that's how real government should work. It's not one person that gets to say, Well, we're in a society where a guy's just saying, You know what? I'm going to close the border because that's what I want to do. I'm going to. We got this guy just doing whatever the hell he feels necessary. And that's why he's got so many people quitting. It's a revolving door because he won't listen to the people that he. That are supposed to be the experts
1: so i had not thought of it that way
2: i i I think that's it we have to understand that it's not just one man we can't just say the mayor you know if you want to say our our government or you we you know he's not a politician he just wants to get in and do the right thing it's a he's a person that loves the community and wants sees the negatives but wants to wants to raise it up to a level that and I want to I want to see that too. I, I think Bloomington could be the best place to live in the world for I some people. You you came back. We all, I came back. I, you know.
1: And I and I do think like I I have a lot of hope for Bloomington, and I think I I've gotten to listen to some conversations across difference that are really inspiring. There's good things happening in this community, and there are people listening to each other, yeah. and there are people like really trying to find how you move forward together like not lockstep you know because we're not nazis but in a way that doesn't isolate parts of our community and say okay well you're not in because you don't like to do it the way i'm doing it
2: oh we're getting that
1: we're getting i think we're getting i think we can push through that though we can because i think
2: i love the fact we need all these voices we need the voices yelling we need Antifa. Just gonna say that. We need Black Lives Matter. We need Absolutely. We need the damn NAACP to get off their ass and do something. Sorry.
1: Aren't you on that?
2: I'm the vice president of the <laughs> NAACP. Get off your ass. But I, but you know <laughs> There, there are groups, once again, it's, you know, I'm not royalty or anything. We it's need, a whole organization. It's, it's a whole organization. We need, we need uh, the African-American churches that used to be a strong part of civil rights initiatives to be more involved. And we need their ministers to be more involved. Yeah. And so then we can get their congregations involved with what's going on here. Because, you know, 20 years ago, right 20 yeah. years ago a gunman came here and he went to several different places before leaving town yeah and that can happen again and so we as community leaders have got to be we we need more help these young folks i mean they've done an excellent job i mean yeah and, and we got all these people trying to make bloomington better and the fact that we all can sit here and talk is, yeah. is, and is with no repercussion, except maybe an FBI coming to your house.
1: I mean, aside from that.
2: Aside from that. Now, that's bad. Yeah. And real.
1: It's bad and, and it's and real. And real.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's not a joke. But
1: that's probably another uh, day.
2: But the fact that that individual still carries on yeah. every day, fighting the fight, I think people have her back. The whole town has her back. So anyway. It's
1: encouraging. So um, if you are interested in hearing more from Dr. LaShawn Williams, you might want to come to our summit. There are still tickets. It's going to be amazing. And we're going to have a live podcast on that Sunday. So that would be a great reason to get your all access pass because then you can have the... The lunch that is going to somehow magically get planned along with <laughs> watching us live record this podcast. Oh
2: my gosh. Okay. I have to get over my stage fright then.
1: You'll be fine. Okay. You'll All be okay. Right. All right. We'll see. It'll be people who, who like you. and
2: right, We'll see. <laughs> if
0: you want, we can have you face this way and the audience can be in
2: the... That'll work.
1: Yeah, <laughs> It'll be like uh a psychoanalysis where you can't see the therapist I would or like love laying that. on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. Okay. Thank you, Don, Thank for another you. week.
0: Thank you. This is fun. This episode of My Racist Friend is a production of the Bloomington Center for Connection, an organization using relational cultural theory to promote social change through connection. This conversation between Don Griffin Jr. and Amy McKees, LCSW, was recorded on Thursday, September 5th, 2019, and edited for this podcast by Kevin McKees. Theme music lovingly sampled from Your Racist Friend by They Might Be Giants. Join the BCC on September 19th to 22nd for the second annual Relational Summit, Learning Together, hosted here in Bloomington, Indiana. For more details, follow the Bloomington Center for Connection on Facebook and other social media platforms. You and your racist friend.
2: You know, uh, the the, the older folks in, um, what's the one with the signs up? Bloomington
1: United. Bloomington United. Aren't you like a part of them?
2: I'm not part of Bloomington United. I don't think so. I think I gave them money for signs at one point in time, but.
1: You might like be on the board and not even know. I could be. (laughs) (laughs) Don't laugh.